Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. Dag Heward Mills is a healing evangelist, a best-selling author, and a mega church pastor. He's the founder of the United Denominations, originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, overseeing over 3,000 churches across every continent of the world. He pastors the First Love Church, a vibrant church in the city of Accra, transforming the lives of thousands of young people for the Lord. Now listen to Dag Heward Mills. Thank you, dear Lord. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated, please. How to relate with your pastor. Uh, If you have Peter in your Bible, you can turn to chapter 2. And uh, we want to read verse number 25. How to relate with your pastor. For you were sheep going astray, all right, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Amen. Amen. Now here you find Jesus referring to himself as a shepherd or the shepherd of our souls. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 4, just move from chapter 2 to chapter 5. I want us to read our foundational scriptures for this little series. Um, we'll be ending, I believe, next week. It says in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Amen. Amen. Here you see Peter admonishing the elders um, and saying that uh, the elders should treat the church in a particular way. And when the chief elder or chief shepherd shall appear, we will also receive a crown of glory. Amen. Amen. So Jesus describes himself as a shepherd. Everybody say shepherd. shepherd. And a shepherd is a pastor. Are you listening to me? All right. Now, I believe that uh, when we relate with our pastors in the right way, we are able to get all the blessings that we are supposed to get from and through them. Hallelujah. Now, the last scripture I want us to look at is John chapter 10, where Jesus continually refers to himself as a good shepherd. John chapter 10 and um, we want to read from verse number 11 it says I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep amen Uh, verse 14 again he says I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known of mine hallelujah all right Um, that's very important now you will notice that Jesus refers to himself as a pastor a shepherd and he often looked at people and was very sad that they seem to be like sheep without a shepherd now it's important to relate with a pastor in the right way otherwise you fail to receive the greatest of all blessings that God has in store for you now the difference between a pastor and an evangelist uh, is very great or the difference between a pastor and a prophet or some other traveling minister is very great and so the past I, I don't think I really have to teach about how to relate with your evangelist you see, I don't think I'd have to really teach about how you, to relate with your prophet or how to relate with your apostle. But what we need to teach about is how to relate with your pastor. The difference between the evangelist or the prophet or evangelist and the pastor is that the pastor is one of you. He lives with you. He lives amongst you. He smells of you. You see, the shepherd smells of sheep. He is with the sheep. He is close to the sheep. And he stays with them. When it rains, it rains on the sheep and on the shepherd. 
when the sun shines, it shines on the sheep and it shines on the shepherd. When there is an earthquake, there is an earthquake for the sheep and an earthquake for the shepherd because they are all in the same place. If you want to find the shepherd, look for the sheep. And where the sheep are, you will find the shepherd somewhere nearby. Now, whenever someone lives with you or stays with you over a, over a period of time, you can gradually forget how to relate with the person. You saw in the film we just watched, the daughter of the pregnant mother. And we realized that she was not relating very well with her mother. And so on and so forth. And so we need to learn how to deal with and how to relate with our shepherds or our pastors. And I believe that it is possible for you to relate with your pastor in such a way that you will receive everything that God has for you through the man of God he has given to you. Now, it is true that you can have a visiting minister who will really bless you and be very supernatural and very wonderful and really seem so great. But you must realize that the visiting man of God may be there for just one weekend. But it's the pastor who is with you all the time or most of the time. And so what the ministry that he has for you is probably more important than any other ministry that you will receive. Although the others are also important to create a balance and so on. So I am preaching this because not just for you, but for all of us and for anyone who has a pastor, this is very, very important. Okay? So the first step in relating to your pastor is what? Learn to receive from him whether you are near or whether you are far okay now like I said in in relating to your pastor especially in a church like this or in any church even a church with just a hundred people you have this circumstance some people are near and some people are further away is that not so and so the Bible is telling us or we, we learned that we must learn how to relate or to receive from the pastor, whether near or far. The most important thing is the voice of the shepherd. Is that not so? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Is that not so? It says, my sheep know my voice. In John 10 verse 4, it says, and when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So the most important ingredient in relating to your pastor is his voice and the word of God that is coming forth through him to your life. In Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 15, the Bible says, I will give you pastors after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Okay? Now the pastor after God's heart feeds the people and the sheep of God with knowledge and understanding. So you must learn to receive from near or from afar. Now, if you are afar, let's say by circumstance, by whatever, you know, like I, I will give you an example. I relate with people like, someone like Papa Hagen. I see him as a father in the ministry, a, fa a father, virtually a pastor, but I am not close to him in physical terms. I have met him once beyond about one minute meeting. That is all I've ever had. And I don't really need to be close to me, doesn't need to know my name, doesn't need to even know me that I exist, and so on. That is, that is not important. What is important is that there is something that is coming forth from him. Do you understand? I hear the voice. I listen to him preaching. I am blessed. I receive everything. I don't even need to be counseled by him in a certain sense. Because, you see, most of the counseling is in the Word. Somebody will say, what is marriage counseling? Marriage counseling is, is all in the Bible. All, everything is in the Bible. There's very little, sometimes a little medical and so on type of stuff. But basically, it's just the Bible that is being shared 
to you. Christ- marriage is all about um, Christianity. If you are not a Christian or you are not practicing your Christian life, it's not easy to be married. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, you need to know how to be found. Because some of you are out there saying, oh, he doesn't know my name. So he doesn't know. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean much. You get what I'm saying? And sometimes those who are far are at an advantage. Sometimes. Because you are not sometimes exposed to the temptation to engage in the sin of familiarity. Amen. 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 Every man of God has all kinds of stories and all kinds of things that are said about him. There's virtually, you, you, you can't, there's, there's, there's nothing, there's no man of God that I know, a real man of God from Jesus up to us who lives without that kind of thing going on around the person. And also sometimes just the human element. You get it? So when you are near, sometimes you, are, you, you see, when you see the person is tired, you see the person is operating as a human being would operate. And so it could also tell you that, oh, you know, this is not a man of God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so that could affect you from receiving uh, the man, from the man of God. When I was in Tulsa this year, I heard Papa Hagin saying the Lord has corrected him on a lot of things in the last year. And I was wondering, what is the Lord correcting him about in the last year that he has been wrong about so many things? And I was wondering, that what on earth could he? I was very surprised when I read, I met someone who gave me a book, a whole book written about one man. A book like that. Somebody wrote it as his thesis and printed. Nice. And if you want to buy, you can buy. Only about a person from whom I received. So I realized that, look, as I'm even far, it's also good. I'm receiving a lot of things and I'm blessed. Now, when you are here also, there are also some advantages. And you can also receive certain blessings and certain direction and certain counsel and certain things which you are, if you are far, you may not receive. But both have their advantages and disadvantages. So wherever you find yourself, if you are near, learn how to receive. If you are far, learn how to receive. If you are far, don't don't say, unless I'm near, I cannot receive. If you are near, don't say, unless I'm far, I cannot receive. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. So, the next is what? Prevent yourself from committing the sin of familiarity. And I want us to go back to Mark chapter 6 on that. Now, familiarity... Is what they say breeds contempt. Mark chapter 6. And we want to read verse number 1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country. And his disciples followed him. Verse 2. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished. And then they said, From whence has this man these things? What wisdom is this which is given unto him? that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. It's not this the carpenter, the son of Mary. Now when you say somebody is the son of Mary, you know, like when you read the Bible, you see uh, uh, Boaz uh, was the father of Obed. Obed gave birth to Jesse. Jesse gave birth to David. David gave birth to Solomon. You know, you don't often say somebody is the son of the woman. You get it? David, the son of Jesse. You know, Joshua the son of Nun. You know, but in this case, by saying Jesus the son of Mary, a big dark question mark is being thrown over the fatherhood of Christ. The brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon and are not his sisters here with us. And they were offended at him. And Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. Three places, his own country, his own relatives, and in his own house. And verse 5, And he could, not he would, notice carefully, he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Verse 6, And he marveled, because of their unbelief. And then he went round about the villages teaching. Amen. Now, right there, you will see 
the sin of familiarity in operation. Now, I call it a sin because it is wrong. Amen. Amen. You may think that it's a natural thing. Ask him, what about his background? What is his education? What is his family? Is this not this? Is that not his brother? Is he not a carpenter? Is he not that? You may think that it's just a natural discussion that you are having. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that it's a sin because it prevents you from receiving what God wants you to receive. Amen. And so last week I began to share with you some signs of familiarity. Number one is what? Not coming to church every Sunday. Amen. And number two is what? Yawning. Early yawning. Number three is what? Sitting at the back. Number four is what? That's all that you have. Now, familiarity is, is, is the characteristic behavior that comes about when you are used to somebody. Are you understanding? It is the way you... It is the, it's the attitude and the behavior you develop when you are used to somebody. And you no longer take him as important or special. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is familiarity. Now that in itself can cut you off from your heavenly father. Amen. Why? Because, you see, God has chosen that he will use a vessel. The Paul said we have this treasure or this anointing in earthen vessels earth not gold not silver not anything special but earth so that is god's choice hallelujah that is god's decision you know sometimes i ask why god wants us to live by faith why doesn't he let us see more but you know recently i was reading this book, which I would recommend everyone to get, is called The Final Quest by Rick Joyner. If you have a chance, please get it. Read it. I'm telling you as a friend, if you don't want to, even as a pastor, just as a, a, take me as a stranger, as a friend, anything. Get that book, it will, it will bless you. But I was reading it, and this man was taken to heaven, and as he was going through, he found out that the angels and so on were bowing to him and were, you know, bowing to him and, and so on. And at a point he asked, why are these people bowing? I mean, who am I? I'm nothing. These people are so glorious. Why are they bowing to me? Why are people, you know, because as he was going through, there were many great people and there were angels and so on. And everybody was sort of giving him honor and all that. And he was wondering, what is going on? And somewhere in the book, somewhere, I remember, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was explained that, you see, we on earth, we, we are in the dark. We are operating by faith. And it's like we are doing great things and we are believing, even though we can't see. You see, we can't see angels. We can't see the spirit world. Their things are real. God gives some few people the prophetic gift where they are able to see some of But we can't see. Everything we do is by faith. <laughs> so it's like, as we, when we get to heaven, we are some wild warriors who have fought in the dark and have prevailed. <laughs> And have succeeded because we're in the dark and it's like we've done something great by operating by faith and in the dark and just by believing and going ahead it's a great thing just like when you stand and you watch somebody you know maybe running 5,000 meters or running uh, uh, the marathon or running it's like you look and you realize that what he's doing is a great thing because to run that distance at that speed you know some of us if we run 100 meters with somebody who is running 5,000 you can't even beat the person did you, did you know that? Because the 5,000 people, they run almost at the speed of 100 meters. And they run at that speed for 5,000 meters. So as we look, we admire. We say, hey, who is the 100 meters runner of the world today? Who is he? Is it Carlouis or some years ago? Michael Johnson, whatever. You see boxes. And you see this man giving blows and you just marvel. Because you can imagine one of those blows were to just touch even just your cheek. Man. You know that you, you, you actually die. Not that you will be unconscious, you die. You know? So they are watching us in the dark. 
And we are also believing. And we are fighting. And we are prepared. Because also I'm here. I'm here by faith. I've not seen Jesus. I just believe. You see, so as they watch us, they can see us. They can see angels. They can see the spirit world. And they marvel as we serve God. And we believe his word. You see, so it's a great thing. So when we get there, we are some battle-weary heroes who have arrived at the gates of heaven to receive our crowns and to receive our, our glory. Hallelujah. All right. So God, God, God comes to us in that way, like the way he came with Jesus. As a humble, meek, and mild Jesus, born not in Kalebo Hospital, not in Cromwell Hospital, not in any of these great places, but in a stable born in a stable among sheep and goats and cow down man and here he comes and says i'm the savior and then he begins to ask ah, are you not a carpenter and i thank god i was not born in those days how many times the lord are you also not born in those days I, I, we could easily have been one of the killers yeah. we could have questioned everything and this is what is happening today. As God sends you pastors and he gives you people, then all sorts of familiarity begins to creep in, especially with the pastors. More so than the evangelists. Because the evangelists, when I say evangelists, I'm talking about a traveling minister, like prophet, teacher, even a traveling teacher. Comes and goes, comes and goes. No trouble. Now, familiarity... When you get used to a person, you would not necessarily want to be around on Sunday when he's preaching. You may sit at the back. But if I, if I told you that Benny Hinn was going to walk in here for the fourth service, most of you would not even go home. If I, if I announced you that I've got a surprise for you, that Benny Hinn is in town, he's staying at Golden Tulip, he's coming here for the fourth service, there'll be a quarrel over going out of the church. But if I announced you that I'll be preaching at the fourth service and I'm preaching on how to overcome impossible situations, mm, uh, 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 anyway, you continue next time. One, one day we'll come and we hear that one. There are a lot of tips around. You're always here with us. You know. Charlie Bishop, we have to go. It's late. We'll be here for two hours. Is it not true? No. So it is. When you become used to something and you then take it for granted and then you treat it in a wrong way, not necessarily an openly evil way, but in a way that prevents you from now receiving. This is what happened to Christ in his own home. That's why he traveled a lot ministering. The next one is not buying tapes. Not buying tapes is the next sign of familiarity. You don't buy tapes, after all. Whatever. But you will notice. And then the next one is not buying books. You, when you are familiar with someone, you will not buy his books and read it. And you will not buy his tapes and listen to it. Amen. That's a fact. There are people who are not in this church who read every single book that I write, they are waiting for me to write a new book. There are people, because they are, not, they are not familiar with me. You see, I was saying to you that this church as a church, compared to other churches, are very, very prone to committing the sin of familiarity. That's why when you see a pastor who stayed in the same place for a very long time, he is often deserving of a medal. Because, you see, as, as, as you move out, you begin to find how people appreciate your gift. I have written many books. Hardly do any of you buy the books. Some buy, those who buy, buy. But with the little money that you may have, you may prefer not to buy. I saw he's here. Oh, is that the message he preached last time? Frugality. But there are people, even millionaires and billionaires, who will read my books and are blessed and want to buy them. Even when I went to America, I found that an American, a white man, white school, are using my book as a textbook. Amen. In their school. So, 
you, and, and I was sitting in, I remember sitting in, in, in a part of America, and these guys were telling me, well, there are big Bible schools. I said, look, that's a very good book. He said, there are lots of books written about ethics, but your book is the one that we think is the best for our school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's where the capital of Christianity is. That's what he told, that's what he told me. So, but here, I could write and everybody look at it. Mm. And another book has come. Hey, this guy is writing a lot of books. <laughs> Let's go home and eat our fufu and uh, buy some trophy and uh, this thing on the way home. No, I'm just showing you, you see, you don't know that you are familiar. And you don't know that you are living in that way. You don't know. I'm just telling, I'm just pointing it out to you. And I'm pointing it out to you because uh, you, you, must, you, must, you must deliver yourself from it. Uh, one, one sister wrote to me a letter. I, I, I kept that letter. She, she said, she, said she, she was reading a book and, uh, and she really admired a, a certain uh, person who wrote a book. And that person who wrote a book was a doctor, a medical doctor. All right? And she said, the person is a powerful minister, written books, and very, very anointed, very powerful. And she said, one day I was preaching and because the person who wrote this letter to me it was a, uh, also a med person, also a doctor or medical student or whatever. And she said that one day I was ministering and suddenly God told her that, look, you admire this person because she's a doctor and a, a minister. And he said, right here in front of you is a doctor and a minister and he's ministering to you. Can't you open your eyes and see clearly and receive? Right there. And said, something just changed in here at that moment. You see, sometimes God brings to us right by us something we can't even see or receive. We open our eyes, if only so and so were to come. But you see, I want you to see that, you see, you don't really have a choice in the matter sometimes. Sometimes God has designed that this is the person who is assigned for you. You see, when we read that book, Final Quest, there was a, a man of God when he got to heaven, he was put at the foolish virgin section. And the reason why he was put in that section was, he explained to this man when he met him. Because when he met him, he went along and hugged him. He said, oh, you are a great man of God. I always admired you and I wanted to be even in your ministry and take you as a, a father and so on. And, uh, and, and, but I wasn't able, I think they had some problems and so on. The man was dead. But he met him in heaven. And the man told him, he said, listen, I want you to forgive me. And the man said, why forgive me? He said, you have to, I have to ask you to forgive me because I was very difficult when I was in the church. And, and the, pastor, the man said, no. God had ordained that I was supposed to be your father. And I was supposed to guide you into maturity. And he said that there are many children who become rebellious at one stage or another. And so I as a father should have handled you and guided you into maturity, but I didn't. And so this man said, no, I was very difficult and rebellious. And the man said, yes, you were rebellious. You were some way, but I should have also done certain things to prevent whatever. So at that point, I realized something. It looks like God had ordained, and that man was saying that as he stood there, he had no father in the ministry. And as he stood there and he was talking, he said, listen, he realized that he was like, God had ordained that this person is supposed to be a father to you in the ministry. Simple. And what is a father? A father is somebody who just guides you, guides you, guides you, until you become what you are supposed to become. What does your father do? He guides you, guides you, guides you, go to school, go to school, until you become what you are supposed to become. He's not, he's not a, your, your supervisor or your lord for whatever, eternity or whatever. He's just guide, 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 until you become an architect, until you become a doctor, until you become whatever you are supposed to become. That's all. And God gives everybody somebody like that. Guide, 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 guide you. And it's like when that thing is by you and God is giving you somebody, brought the person to your life to guide, 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 guide you and you don't receive it and you don't accept it, you may find yourself in heaven and find out, man, I lost a great opportunity. And so that is why you must deliver yourself from the sin of familiarity. Because when Jesus came to this world, he didn't just come to die for those of us who live in the 20th, 21st century. He died for those who were right there, but many of them went to hell. And today, there are many people preaching, preaching the word of God in different forms and different fashions. Some prophets, some educated, some uneducated, some evangelists. God is using everybody to try and reach everyone. God is trying every method to get to as many people as possible. Your duty is that when God brings somebody to your life, 
do not make the mistake of letting it pass you by only to find out later that this was the man of God whom God gave to me for my life so that I would become what he intended me to become. Because when Jesus went away, I mean, today we all celebrate it. Our, our dates are named, are, are, are stated and are described in relation to the appearance and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anno Domino, A.D. In the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, 1999, 2000, 2001, in the year of our Lord. That's what it means. After the death or whatever of Christ. So ladies and gentlemen, let us, let us be careful not to become familiar with whatever God gave. Perhaps God didn't give that man of God to you, but the man of God he gave to you, be careful. You see, if God gave me to pastor you and I've written a book, you should have every single, I have every single one of Papa Higgins' books and every tape he has ever preached. I have it. And I read them. Right now I'm reading a particular book. I'm always, and right now if you go to my car, you'll see, you'll see about five tapes depending on what I want to eat. Amen. Because I believe that God gave him to me to be a blessing to me. And I, I, I don't intend to I don't intend to get involved in anything apart from receiving. And I don't intend to become familiar. But it's a pity when we are plagued by that. So not buying the tapes. Not buying the books. And then the next one is not reading the books. See, because there are people who buy the books and they use them as calendars and souvenirs and objects, ornaments. The next one is not listening to the tapes. The next one is not coming for miracle services. I wonder where Pastor Johnny is. All right. Not coming for miracle services. After all, I don't need a miracle. What miracle does this man have? What, 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 what miracle does? What miracle is he going to? He himself probably is not well. So, you know, one day I was struggling with familiarity with some of my doctors and pastors, and I went to get a Benihim tape. You, are you with me? Yeah. And we were preparing the, ourselves for miracle service. I said, I'm going to get a Benihim videotape. I said, let's watch this. Okay. So, as we were going through the tape, we came by each miracle, and then we analyzed the miracle. And we said, do you see this? And we realized that as we were going through Step by step, step by step, because at least we know people accept Benihin as a healing minister. And as we go through the miracles, we realize that, ah, this is a miracle. No, we have this one here. We have this one to here. We have this one to here. And we realize that the things that we are seeing in a Benihin's miracle services, yes, we see it here. If that is a miracle, then these ones are also miracles. In fact, when I showed my Miracle service from Colombia, and I would advise all of you to get a copy of that video when it comes out. It's supposed to be out today. I, sh- I showed it to somebody. He said something. He said, I have never seen anything like this anywhere on a video or any- never anything like that. And when I look, I realize that uh, in all my watching of videos of miracles and everything, I have never seen or heard of anything like what I saw in Colombia. Never. Seriously. When I went through the miracles one by one, I've never seen anything like that anywhere. One after the other. If you watch them, all of them, every day was different. There are five days. Every single day was different. There's one particular day you see a blind girl just beginning to look at things. And you see her walking from place to place like that. Seeing things that she could not see before. And different things. But you see, there, when I went, I was received as, I was guarded by about 25 people, motorcade and whatnot. I don't know what they told them before I came there. <laughs> and, and my bodyguards, armed with guns and soldiers and so on, all of them gave their life, all of them bowed down their head, gave their life to Christ, born again. People who were guarding me day and night, they said, we have never seen anything like this before since we were born. We want to give our life to God. Amen. Amen. So I'm saying this to say that, you see, it is, it is in familiarity that we cut off ourselves from all these things. 
cuts off. It just cuts you off. So I don't know how to explain it to you, but you have to see it as something that you will forever delete from your heart. And when you see these signs, take note of them. Take note of them. Because they are cutting you off. One time Papa Hagen went somewhere and was preaching and there were no results. And then he prayed and I don't know whether the Lord appeared to him or whatever. And he told the Lord that he's not getting results. And he, the Lord told him, you are doing as, better in, uh, as well as I did. <laughs> he said, you are doing as well as I did in my hometown. <laughs> That's what the Lord, the Lord Jesus told me, you're doing as well as I did in my hometown. It seems that even, you are even getting better results than I got in my own hometown. The next sign of familiarity. Discussing the background of the pastor. Agbadobi. Or Azobi. Azobile. You start to say, ah, is he not this? Is he not like that? Is he not? Ah, was he not the one discussing the background? They were discussing Jesus' background. Is he not the son of Mary? When you say, is he not the son of Mary? Is this not the one whose mother we are sure of, but whose father we are not sure of? That was a dangerous topic. Don't bring it up. Who is the father of Jesus? Because there was no father. When somebody insults you and says you are the son of a thousand fathers, it's a, it's a very major insult. And with Jesus, there was a big question about who his father was. But we knew that he was conceived of the Holy Ghost. But in town, I mean, you know how the story goes. People who, I mean, we don't even know. Mary, like Mary went to sleep with somebody and made the house. There was a gala or something. And they, don't, they are not sure who the father is. And she came home and Joseph was just, I mean, Joseph was just cool about the whole thing. And Joseph just took the thing coolly and then he just flowed with the thing. And it's like now, so that's why we call him the son of Mary. The next one, discussing the relatives is a sign of familiarity. When you start discussing that, ah, is that not a sister? Is that not a mother? Is that not a father? Ah, but we know. We know them. The next sign, criticizing. Criticizing. When you start to criticize, oh man, that's for that one, you've gone far. When you start to criticize, you've gone far. Amen. Amen. Criticizing, discussing relatives, discussing the background. Look, if I'm preaching to you, don't discuss my background. It's like, that guy was our mate. He's my this. I know that. I know that. Just move away from move away from those things. Just try and receive the word. Try hard to receive the word. Try hard to be blessed. Perhaps, perhaps God has God has called me to be a father or a blessing or something to you. So try hard, I beg you, try hard to receive it. Sometimes you see greatness is, is, is camouflaged. You see, sometimes something great is by you, but you can't see. Just by you like that, you can't see. When Joseph was born and started having prophetic dreams about the future, his brothers didn't know that Prime Minister was... Prime Minister was having a dream. Prime Minister. Because the greatness was camouflaging the youngest boy. They didn't know that the one who would feed was playing with them. He was playing with them. The one who would feed every boy. They didn't know the one who would look after their father in his old age. He was the one. They didn't know the one who was going to feed everybody and save their lives. He was the one just by them. Because the greatness was camouflaged in the in that, in that container of Joseph, the smallest, youngest boy with dreams. Please. When Jesus came around, he was camouflaged. Blessed is the one who, who did not be offended in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. The next one, magnifying faults. Now, everybody has a fault. Everybody has a mistake. You get it? Whether you want it or not, everybody has a fault, everybody has a mistake. If you are married, you'll find a fault in your husband, you find a fault in your wife. If you talk to my wife, you find out that I'm not perfect. 
So that please don't magnify my fault. Otherwise, it will prevent you from receiving anything from me. Because as soon as I start speaking to you, it blows up like a balloon. Don't magnify the fault of a man of God. The next one, giving marks. When a person preaches, you give marks. He said, give you 40%. 50. I've been in the car when they were giving the pastor marks before. After service, we were all sitting in a Mercedes-Benz going home. And then they said, the, 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 the father said, I'll give 40%. And then the other people said, ah, how? Give me 55. This one, 55. Somebody said, no, 70. And the father said, never, 40%. That was the whole discussion on the way home after church. So when you start giving marks, you're assessing, you say, ah, how was the message? It, it wasn't bad, but last week was more anointed than this week. Hey, Chale, you got into the major problem, oh. How was the word? It was, it was a bit anointed, but slightly modified anointing. It was a good word, but it was too long. It was a good word, but too much repeating. And there were too many jokes in the word. Ah, there were not enough scriptures. Okay, there were too many scriptures. Today he didn't walk around so much. There's too much walking. Ah, too much staying in one place. Ah, not enough jokes. Ah, too many jokes. Please. I used to be disturbed by all these things. So they say, ah, he does this to me. He does like this. Somebody said, I shouldn't sit down. Sometimes I sit down, I preach. They say, don't sit down. Don't stand. Don't do. What should I do? I'll fly. Let me fly now and I'll preach. Don't assess. Receive. And he came unto his own, and as many assessed as assessed him, receive. As many as received, he gave power. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes. All right. So you finish that. Don't fall into the sin of familiarity. The next one. Become a son or a daughter. Turn with me to Timothy. So graduate from becoming a member to becoming a son or a daughter. No matter how old you are. Now in the church, we don't go by age. I hope you know that. Do you know that Jesus, Jesus when he was around ministry, was younger than I, I am now. I must be quite old. Jesus never reached, attained my age in ministry. So if you think that I'm a young man and I'm too young to preach, then you've got a problem. Now read on. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. So the third step in how to relate with your pastor is to become a son or a daughter. And I'm going to explain to you why. Thou therefore, my employee, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Thou therefore, my member, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Thou therefore, my what? My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Amen. Now notice. Notice something. And don't start yawning. Tell the person, please don't start yawning now. I don't want your spirit of familiarity to come on me. Now, there are some positions which find it more easy. How many would agree with me? All right. If, if uh, uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to put water on, on, on this building everywhere, how many would agree with me that those that are down here will more easily receive than up there? In fact, I may throw water, I will still not get there. Because it's too great, it's too high. Okay? Now, when you are in a church, you see, you must receive. Now, one of the ways you can receive best is by becoming a son or a daughter. Probably, that is why in the Catholic Church, the priests are called father. Father this, father that, father that, father this, father that, and so on. Perhaps it is a way of teaching us something how to relate with our priests or how to relate with our, our pastors. Paul called Timothy my son. Now, you see, sometimes it's better for the son to call the father my father than the father to call my son my son. Yeah. 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 
Because it's like, it's sometimes that is done by insecure people who want to make everybody be under them. But I want you to know that a child receives naturally. A member does not receive as easily as a child. That's why Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter. You cannot enter. When you are a spiritual child, you naturally receive inheritance without working. Things come to you, gifts, blessings. You see, sometimes I myself can feel the spiritual draw. When I say draw, it's like you can sometimes feel that people are drawing things out of you. Sometimes you can feel that people are drawing anointing out of you. You can sense that people believe in something. They are actually extracting the gift from you. I have learned to say yes, because Jesus always said yes to people. Can you come and heal my... Yes. Can you pray for me? Yes, I can pray for you. Where can you heal? Yes, I can. Now, when you see yourself in that way, you will receive far more than a member or an employee. Because there is something known as spiritual inheritance. And spiritual inheritance, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible says that we may know our spiritual inheritance. Now, you receive inheritance from a father. From a father. Not from a boss. You may work in the office with somebody for 10 years, but when he dies, he will not leave a pin for you. I said you can work for somebody for 15 years, but when he's going, he will not leave even a pin for you. When my father died, my father had many people who worked for him. My father had a hotel, he had stables, he had trainers, he had jockeys, he had all sorts of people. But when he died, he wrote in his will, to my son, to my daughter, to my children, I leave my this, I leave my that. And to my child, I leave this. And to my child, I leave this. To my dear wife, I leave this. To my child, to my son, to my children, to my daughter. All the workers, their names did not appear. And that's a fact of life. When you begin to be a son or a daughter, you see, you don't have to ask for it. The father naturally gives everything he has to his children. And that's in the Bible. Just as a side comment, I don't believe it is right for you to give everything to your nieces and your nephews. When you die, you leave everything to your sister's children. Your sister's children. Wafa, wafa, see? Is that what they call it? Because you, you cannot be sure whether your wife with whom you've had the children, you cannot be sure that those children are your children. But for your sister, you are sure because the children came out of your sister. So you are sure that those children came from between her, her legs as it were. She, she gave birth to them. That's how the Bible describes it. So you are sure about it. So you will leave everything that you have earned to your sister's children. It's not in the Bible. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. It means that he goes even further than the children and go, goes to the children's children. That's just free of charge. There's no charge on that. It's bonus. Those of you who are writing wills. And if you have a house, write a will. Ask the person next to you, do you have a house? Don't live even for one more week without writing your will. Amen. It doesn't mean you're going to die at all. When you marry and you sign a certificate, it doesn't mean anything bad is going to happen. It's just a formality. <laughs> Until you receive the person as a father, man, blessings will be going out, but they'll be going for the children. You see, the children's mouths are open. Ah. Sometimes my, my little child will come and say, uh, Daddy, David uh, is worrying, Deborah is worrying me, and I tell, go and tell her that I said she shouldn't worry you. Then the problem is over. They believe that even when they go and say the word that I say that they shouldn't do that, it's just, it's just done. When I say, don't mind, tell them I said you shouldn't mind him. 
and then the problem is over. I mean, they just believe everything. They just flow. Elisha walked with Elisha. Elisha, his real father was called Mr. Shaphat. Elijah's real father was called Shaphat. But when he met Elijah and started to walk with Elijah, by the time Elijah was going, he asked Elijah, Elijah, I want double portion of your I don't like your house, I don't like your children, I don't like anything, just your anointing. Elijah said, it's hard, but it's possible. <laughs> Elijah laughed, Charlie, you are a smart, you know, pastor, you want anointing. So suddenly the chariots appeared. People think that a chariot came to take Elijah to heaven. No, a chariot came to divide them, because Elijah was so close to Elisha. The chariot came to divide them asunder, and Elisha was taken up in a whirlwind. You see, the man was so close, I will never leave you. They tried to separate them four times. Tried to say, Elijah said, whatever your vision, that's my vision. I will go with you. I'm dying with you. You are going to heaven. I'm going with you, if possible. So it was a chariot that was able to separate them. Be inseparable from your church. Be inseparable from the man of God that God has given to you. Only a chariot of fire should be able to separate between you and the man of God that he has given to you. So when the chariot separated him, then suddenly the whirlwind came and took him quickly out of Elijah's uh, <laughs> before Elijah could catch him. And as Elijah was going, Elijah cried and shouted, said, My father! My father! My father! The chariots of Israel. But he had a father called Shaphat. But Elijah had become his father. And because Elijah had become his father, he naturally received natural inheritance. No struggle. A person with a father and a person without a father is like heaven and hell. They are two different people. A person with a father is a struggle-free man. Usually. Usually. Until you receive the man of God as a father, certain blessings will never come because they come to children. They don't come to... I said, when my father died, I sat in the court as he read out his will. And my, I gave it to my child. My father to my child. To my wife, to my child. To my wife, to my... The only person who was not a child who received was somebody who had become very close. That's Reverend Saki. They gave him 25,000 CDs. <laughs> you know, he was almost like a child. You see, when you make yourself like a child and you are part of it, I think we haven't given you the 25,000. We will give it to you, don't worry. Write a letter and apply. <laughs> Dollarize 25. <laughs> Be a daughter. A son does not argue. A daughter does not argue. Like that funny, uh, this thing that was behaving, misbehaving on the stage. No. A real son, you are not big, you are not too big. When they call you, you can come. You say, you must, be, you must be like that. If you are going to receive anointing, if you are going to receive from them. I'm serious. I'm talking about spiritual things now. Perhaps you don't know, but I'm telling you. And we are not talking about age. We are talking about spiritual. I said, Jesus was not even my age. I'm just 54, and Jesus never got to my age. <laughs> Okay, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> Look, our time is up. We'll continue next week. Sorry. Sorry. It's time. We'll continue next week. How many are becoming sons and daughters? Are you sure? You see, some of you, if you were Timothy and Paul had written to you and said, My son Timothy, you would have said, I'm this guy, Paul. What does he mean by my son? Why do you know me from that I'm your son? And I'm not, I'm not just talking about me personally as a bishop or Brother Dagas, I, I, I am also known. But, but, the pastor that God gives you in your chapel, wherever, whoever, see him as a father. And I believe that many blessings are going to come down on you effortlessly. Effortlessly. Lift your hands to the Lord. Jesus, we worship and we praise your name. We lift up.
spirit of familiarity is taken away from us it's killed it's dead in jesus name our hearts are open to receive whatever you have chosen to give us lord we thank you lord we thank you lord we thank you lord in the name of jesus just close your eyes for a minute before we close this service please wherever you are standing we want to just pray finally and then we will share the grace. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here this Sunday morning and you want to say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and the Master of my life. You maybe you're not born again. Maybe somebody invited you or you've been coming for some time. But you know you are far away from God. But today you want to come closer to God. You want to say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my heart to Jesus. If you really want to give your heart to Jesus, can you lift your right hand wherever you are standing, please? God bless you. God bless you. I see your hands. I see, lift your right hand up high. Wonderful. I see all the hands. Every eye closed, please. Upstairs, at the back right here. I see all the hands lifted up. God bless you. God bless Father, look at every hand. If you want to join them, can you lift your right hand up high before I pray, please? Wonderful. God bless you. Father, look at all these hands lifted up. I pray that, Lord, you touch their hearts and touch their lives and turn their lives around in the name of Jesus. Now, those of you lifted your hand up, I want you to come to me right in the front here, please. From wherever you are standing, walk from where you are and come upstairs. Just come at the back. Put your hands together for them as they come, please. Go ahead and clap for them. Welcome them this morning. Wonderful. God bless you. Go ahead and clap for them. Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice. When one person turns and comes to Christ. So let us also rejoice for the lives of these people who are taking a step. Many more are coming from the back, please. Let's go ahead and rejoice with them and thank God for their lives. Amen. Okay, those of you coming from the back, keep coming as we pray finally. Please allow them to come, all right? Okay, let's pray. Come and join us. Everybody say this prayer, all those of us in front and the whole church. Let's say this prayer together. Say, Father, this Sunday morning, I open my heart to Jesus. I make Jesus my Savior and my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I will save you all the days of my life. Thank you, dear Lord, for hearing my prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for washing away my sins. From today, I am yours, and you are mine. I will serve you. I will follow you the rest of my days. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. 
Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.